Deuteronomy 26, verse 16 is where we're going to pick up. I want to just say one little paragraph to what we talked about last uh, last hour. Uh, God may have you at a different stage than you want to be. Uh, God uh, tells us to go to the side of the road, turn the engine off, and sit and wait sometimes. Or God will bring things before us that we didn't want, but later we find out why He gave it to us. Uh, you may not have all the health that you want or the opportunities that you want or the ministry that you think that you should have right now. Be content where you are and stand and wait. Stand and wait. Uh, I go to bed at night reading on World War II and one of the things that many of the great leaders did during the war when they thought they ought to be doing thus, 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 uh, they were in positions where all they could do was stand and wait. They could not do what they wanted to do. And they could not see all of why. And General Eisenhower finished West Point uh, at the, uh, as World War I was, was grinding down. He never got into combat. And uh, General Eisenhower always chafed at that. Uh, I want to be in combat. I, I can't be a general who can lead men unless I've had combat experience. In fact, he was actually demoted. Uh, when, the, when World War I was over, they demoted a lot of officers down to a lower grade just automatically because they didn't need men in, in, the, in the high positions that some of them had. So he was actually demoted. And he stayed at one rank for about 20 years. He was captain or something like that. So World War II started, and um, Eisenhower wanted to get in combat so bad. And uh, General Marshall called him to Washington. Marshall was the head of the entire military, the whole military, General George Marshall. And Eisenhower said, I want to get in combat. I want to go overseas. And Marshall said, all the experiences you had in organization and leading men, not in combat, that's what I need. And so he sent Eisenhower to Europe, and lo and behold, in a few years, Eisenhower ended up being the general to lead the invasion into Europe, the Normandy invasion. You see, God has us at places where we don't fully understand at the moment. I'm not sure Eisenhower was a Christian. He could have been, but he certainly wasn't spiritual. He did not see the patterns that God had for him and the things that God was planning for him. He never saw that. So you have to understand where you are. And it may be right now your biggest ministry is with family, your greatest ministry may be doing nothing, taking a vacation for a while until God fills you up your gas tank for something else. You never know until you look back. You know, you look back at boy, oh boy, you can see what God did with you and for you. 
but often we can't see that at the time. So wherever you are, be content, okay, and be waiting. It could be financial. I know a lot of you all in this room are, are struggling with the economy. Some things are happening. Well, God's not asleep. He is not asleep. He knows what He's doing. And so uh, try to say, Lord, help me understand where I am. Help me be content. But I'm here. I'm available. I'm available for your service. Okay? All right. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, bless us as we look at this book. All the great principles that pour off its pages. In Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomos. Second law or repeat of the law. Repeating of the law to the new generation that's about to enter the land. And Moses is going through some great principles. Now we're not under the dispensation of the law. Okay, we don't we don't keep these laws for our personal sanctification. But there are tremendous principles in the Old Testament that are eternal principles and eternal concepts that have to do with government and people and culture and and, and us personally as well. And so I don't know about you, but I've been thrilled at seeing these great principles that come off the pages of the book of Deuteronomy. Let's start at verse 16 of chapter 26. This day the Lord your God, Moses speaking, this day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and ordinances. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. Look at that. A heart, I believe, generally speaks of our emotions. With all of your emotional ability, you are to do these laws with zealousness with enthusiasm you are to keep these laws and also with your very being the word soul means life your very life the core of you you are to be keeping these commandments and you will be blessed because of it verse 17 you have today declared the lord to be your god and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes his commandments his ordinances and listen to his voice and i think moses said that in verse 17 because he could hear a lot of amens out there. People say, yay, hey, amen, that's right on Moses. Yeah, you can count on us. You can count on us, Moses. We're going to do it. Uh, absolutely, Moses. Uh, today you have declared the Lord your God. Today you have made a, a contract. Today you have committed. So therefore, if you've done that, you said that, then therefore you are obligated to keep His ordinances and to listen to His voice. Moses was the voice of God. What Moses was giving them came from the Lord. And the Lord has today declared to you uh, to be His people, a treasured possession as He promised you, and that you should keep all His commandments, that He shall set you high above all nations which He has made for, pray, for praise and fame and honor, that you shall be a holy people, or consecrated means a holy people, you are a special at the core of the idea of of of, uh, of holiness is to be a separate people. You've been set aside. In fact, the core of the idea of holy is to be set aside. You've been set aside. God has set you aside, and boy, has He the history of Israel. And in writing all the books that, that you see me come out with lately, uh, one thing that stands out you can't escape: how God set the Jewish people aside and blessed them. They're still here. 
They're still speaking their old, their, their ancient language of, of 3,000 years ago. God is still using them. God is not finished with them. Even though they're wayward in that they're not trusting in Christ, they are still His people. They are, they are beloved to Him. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 says they are loved by God even though they are wayward. They're still loved by God. God has a purpose. And by the way, that would tell us, do you have a little, little bit of anti-Semitism in your veins? You really don't like the Jews? You better get rid of it because if God loves them now in their unsaved state, you and I better care for them as well. If God so cares for them. Look at this. You shall be a holy people for the Lord your God as He has spoken. Chapter 27, verse 1. Then Moses and the elders of Israel charged the people. By the way, the elders joined Moses in this. Notice that. The elders have a responsibility to say what the Lord is saying and to follow Moses and to, and to, and to repeat what, what Moses is saying. Moses and the elders of Israel charged the people saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. The elders were saying this. Keep the commandments which I have given you today. The elders are joining Moses in this. So it shall be on, on the day when you shall cross the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God gave, gives you that you, you shall set up for yourself large stones and coat them with lime. You're to put a, a coat of lime on the outside, kind of a plaster, because on the outside of these big stones, they are to write the law as a testimony and as a witness. They are to put up a billboard. A billboard where they cross the Jordan coming into the land. They are to put up a billboard. They are to put a plaster on these stones and they're going to write on it the law. Look at verse 3. Write on them all the words of this law. First of all, these had to be big stones, uh, large stones. Uh, but, but, but secondly, uh, they had to, somebody had to write very small <laughs> to get all the principles written down on, <laughs> of this law. When you cross over, in order that you may enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. God's promise to isolate the Jewish people, to set them aside, to especially bless them, to give them a revelation that no other people had. No other people had. What a blessing. And that came down to us. We're reading that law that was given to them. By the way, they entered the land around 1440 B.C. 1400 B.C. 1400 B.C. They entered the land and they received the law and you and I have it here in front of us. What a precious possession you have in front of you. The Word of God. What a tremendous possession. Your Bible is worth millions of dollars of value if you look at the fact that it gives eternal life, eternal principles, the revelations of God, prophecy, right and wrong, blessings, eternal blessings, salvation. What a blessing that we have sitting here in front of us. Verse 4, So it shall be when you cross the Jordan, you shall set up on Mount Ebal these stones as I am commanding you today and you shall coat them with lime or plaster so you can write on them. Moreover, you shall build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones 
You shall not wield an iron tool on them. You're not to disfigure these stones by chipping into them. You shall build the altar of the Lord your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer on it burnt offerings to the Lord your God. You shall sacrifice peace offerings and eat there. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall write on the stones all the words of this law. Look at this. Very distinctly. You're not to do this sloppy-like. You're not to abbreviate. <laughs> Very carefully. So that someone coming along behind for generations, or at least 10, 12 years, or who knows how long, can read these laws as they enter this land at this spot. They can see these laws etched on these stones. Make it very distinct. Then Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel, saying, Be silent and listen. Ooh, be silent and listen. Isn't that what I just said a while ago? Come in the door. Shut up. <laughs> just listen. Be silent and listen. Listen. O Israel, this day you become a people for the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the Lord your God and do His commandments and His statutes which command you today. Moses also charged the people on that day, saying, When you cross the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. These tribes, these tribes are to go up to Mount Gerizim. The tribe of Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And for the curse, these shall stand on Mount Ebal, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. Alright, what's going to happen is the tribes are going to divide up and some are going to stand on Mount Ebal and some are going to stand on Mount Gerizim. If you look at the map, they're very close. They're, they're hillets. They're hillets and they're very close together. Half of the tribes are going to stand on one mountain. Half are going to stand on the other mountain. Now what's going to happen? The Levites, verse 14, shall then answer and say to all the men of Israel with a loud voice. Alright, the Levites are going to speak. They are the priestly tribe, the pastoral tribe. Cursed is the man who makes an idol or a molten image, an abomination to the Lord, the works of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. We're going to repeat the law to each other. The two groups are going to be divided up, uh, some on this mountain, some on the other mountain, where they can, I guess, hear each other, hear what the Levites are saying. And you're going to almost pledge to keep these laws and if you make an idol it will be a curse to you and the whole congregation all the people are going, to be, are going to have this testimony this witness they are not to make false images verse 16 cursed oh boy look at the list oh whoa let's look at this this is what is to be said or yelled back and forth uh, from these mountains look at verse 15 cursed is the man who makes an idol, a molten image. Look at the last part of verse 15. And all the people shall answer and say, Verily, yea, right on. Verse 16. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother. And all the people shall say, Verily, yea, amen. 17. Cursed is he who moves his neighbor's boundary mark 
Don't move the marker stones where you're suddenly taking more of the land that belongs to him. You move those stones at night where he can't, he doesn't know what you're moving these stones and suddenly his property is cut short. Cursed. And by the way, all the people will say what? Verse 17. Amen. Verse 18. Cursed is he who misleads a blind person on the road has him fall in the ditch. And all the people shall say, Verily, Amen. 19. Curse is he who distorts the justice due a stranger, an orphan, a widow. And all the people will say, Verily, Amen. Would you notice that there's a mixture of, of personal issues, personal spiritual issues, and corporate issues that have to do with the whole culture, the whole society, the government of the people? Notice this. There are, there are laws that they are to keep in legally in terms of the whole people. There are laws, rules that they are to keep personally. Personally. By the way, Lacey and I got a television series that we were watching at night that was made for television 35 years ago on John Adams. Anybody seen that television series? All right, okay. John Adams. An incredible, incredible series about John Adams, one of the, the founders that uh, helped to write their constitution and so forth. And the emphasis in that in that series, we just started, we haven't seen all of it. But the emphasis is on this nation must be a nation of law. Of law. And it dawned on me. It was almost like a, a light bulb went on. I have a lamp right by my chair. It's almost like I went, Dee, Dee, turn the light on. Why was America, England first, then America, why, why did law and the courts and the legal system and the Constitution, why was that so important to these two nations, England and America? It came out of the out of the Bible. Precision, accuracy, truth, right and wrong. And uh, John Adams became an attorney, became a lawyer, and uh, and lo and behold, he used that in 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 the, in the Continental Congress in the Continental uh, uh, Congress when they were when they were deciding what to do for this nation, how to establish the laws of this nation. And you cannot help but see the impact of the Bible on those men. Those dirty, rotten, white European men, as the critics like to say, <laughs> who brought these things from Europe, especially England. Why is America so different? Because the Bible had an impact upon the founding fathers, these men who wrote the Constitution, and they fought over the issue of what is right and what is wrong. What should law do? What should law be? And I, I said, it dawned on me. The impact of the scriptures on the mind and the thinking of, 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 of these men who, who who fought out these issues and, and struggled through these issues. And it comes from these kind of verses right here from Deuteronomy. We are so blessed. Now look, you extract, you suck out of this culture law, you take away the impact of the Bible. We're going to go back and be just another pagan, fighting, fussing, yelling, divisive nation.
And that's where we're going. Satan has done a wonderful job. He's done an outstanding job in removing from the thinking processes of our young people the Bible. That then impacts law and our legal system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are, look, I'm all for our praying and oh God, turn us around. I'm really for this and I'm for what John is doing and saying. But folks, my gut of guts, and I've been teaching this for all these years, tribulation is coming. It's not going to last. The Bible's predicted it. The Bible's already told us. It's not going to last. I want it to last for me. I want it to be around for our my generation. For me. I really dread what's coming on our kids and grandkids. I really dread it. Because if we have a turnaround first of November in the elections, we're all going to go Phew, business as usual. But we got to remember something. That turnaround will come from older people who have a memory of the past. And when we're gone, that generation that's going to take our place will not have that same memory. They will not. And talking about a nightmare coming. Before the tribulation, I believe there's going to be a nightmare before the nightmare. I believe there's going to be a wrath, a tribulation, a, a destruction before the destruction, before the seven-year tribulation. And I'd love to have the rapture take place before I finish this morning. But I don't know when the rapture is going to happen. Neither did Paul. The Apostle Paul did not know. And so I believe that we could go under the storm clouds, the storm clouds of the coming tribulation before, before it arrives. We will see the dark clouds on the horizon. And they'll be impacting our nation and the world. Alright, keep going. Keep going. Look at this. Incredible verses. Very practical. Very personal. But also very corporate. Speaking to the whole nation of Israel. Look at verse 20. Cursed is he who lies with his father's wife. Oh, brother. Because he's uncovered his father's skirt. His, his, his garment. And all the people shall say, Yes, Amen. Verse 21. Cursed is bestiality he who lies with any animal oh brother and all the people will say amen verse 22 cursed is he who lies with his sister the daughter of his father his mother incest and all the people will say amen 23 cursed is he who lies with his, his mother-in-law and all the people will say amen 24 cursed is he who strikes his neighbor in secret Sneaks up on him in the night and waylays him. And all the people will say, Amen. Cursed is he who accepts a bribe to strike down an innocent person. And all the people will say, Yay, Amen. Cursed is he who does not confirm the words, Oh, oh, look at 26. Oh, look at 26. Oh, my word. Oh, Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. By doing them. We cannot simply listen. We must live these laws. And all the people shall say, Amen. Now we're not under the law dispensationally, but we are, we can see the great principles that are here that are eternal principles that can be brought right on into our culture. Right on into our culture. 
chapter 28, verse 1. It shall be if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments which I command you today. Please notice that. It's over and over again. It says to be careful to, to be cognizant of, to be aware of. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting over being convicted this morning. Not that I'm breaking these things. It's just, it's just a wow. What 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 heavy reminders and reminders and whoa whoa. This is important. Don't don't mess with this. Great eternal principles. Look at this. Be diligent that you diligently obey your the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. There is a principle. Now listen to this. There is a principle here to America. This isn't directly spoken to us. But the principle is here. The nation that listens to the Word of God will be lifted up. No nation on earth has ever been so blessed as America. Well, I've written all these books, and i got a copy of each one of them up here. I, uh, by the way, Ron Quiggins came up and said, you ought to send this one on, on America to Glenn Beck. And I said, I beat you to it. I, Wednesday, I sent him a copy. <laughs> so, he'll probably trash it, or I'll get a letter from some secretary. But, it doesn't matter. But, doing all these all this stuff had to flow through me. Guess who got the most out of this? I did. Had to flow through me. The, the greatness of America. And how America was blessed because of what God did with Israel. Giving us this Word and then giving us the Savior. How we have been blessed. How isolating us with two oceans protecting us. How we have been blessed. Whew, it's staggering. It's overwhelming. And I hope that you will read every one of these books when it gets cold this winter. Sit down and read every one of them if you haven't done it. Every one of them. And, and, and have that impact you. Of, first of all, appreciation. Thank you, God. And then secondly... We've got to live these things. And somehow we've got to share this stuff with people that we know. Look at verse 2. By the way, please notice the end of verse, end of verse 1. Speaking to Israel now, not to America, but there's a principle here. I command you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Look at that. They'll overtake you. <laughs> It's, it's like a, a horse running behind you that overtakes you. All these blessings will, will swamp you. They'll overtake you if you do what God says. If you obey the Lord your God. Verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city and you will be blessed in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground, the offspring of your animals, the increase of your herd, and the, and the young of your flocks. Blessed will be your basket and your kneading bowl, your kneading trough. Blessed you'll be when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. 
They shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. Now look, as Moses is saying this, now look up here. You got that little bitty, that little bitty land bridge, which is Israel, a little bitty land bridge. The core is 100 miles north and south and 40 miles wide. Little bitty land bridge. It's the land bridge between Europe and Asia and uh, uh, Saudi Arabian Peninsula and Africa. It's a land bridge. If you want to get to Saudi Arabia, you have to go to the shore of, 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 of Canaan, the Holy Land. If you want to get to Africa from, from uh, Asia, you come down right down to the shoreline, shoreline of, of the Holy Land down to Africa. Or if you took a boat, a ship, you still would go along the shore. They did not sail the boats in those days across the Mediterranean. The boats couldn't take the, the storms. They would stay on against, against the coastline. God put Israel at the, the center of the earth. <laughs> in fact, in fact, the, the Holy Land is called the navel of the earth. The navel of the earth. The center of the earth. Now here's here you got you've got Babylon to the north you've got uh, the, the the rising up of the of the, the Greek and Roman cities to the to the west you've got uh, Egypt to the south and God is saying hey I don't care how big these nations are doesn't matter to me I'm going to protect you if you obey what I say I will protect you I don't care how big Egypt is doesn't matter I will protect you why did those nations run over Israel? Because they turned away from God. They turned away from their God. And God used them as a whip, as a judgment against, against the Jewish people. But otherwise, they would have been protected. They would have been kept. But they turned away from their God. Look at verse 8. The Lord will command, or command the blessing upon you in your barns, in all that you put your hand to do. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Which, Please notice that. Which the Lord your God gives you. Whose land was it? God's land. What's God going to do with His land? He'll give it to the Jewish people. It's His land. Some of the most important piece of property ever. Ever, ever, ever. He's going to give it to them. It's my land, I'm going to give it to you. Verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself as He swore to you. If you will keep the commandments, please notice the if, if you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways. So all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. The Egyptians? Afraid of little Israel? Yes. <laughs> but when God brought them, brought his, his people out of Egypt, boy, oh boy. <laughs> what, a, what a rattling of the, of the Egyptian people and, and the pharaohs of, of Egypt. God had a tremendous plan, a miracle working with His people. And boy, the Egyptians had to, had to quake in their boots, if you will. They will become afraid of you. Verse 11, And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the offspring of your body, in the offspring of your animals, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you His good storehouse, the heavens to give rain to your land in season, to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow from those nations, but you will lend to those nations. Oh my word. You're going to lend to these nations. 
but you're not to borrow from them. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. You are to lend to them. I went to Israel in 1970 the first time. Most of the roads were gravel roads in 1970. Most of the hills had no trees. Barren. No trees. Dirt roads. Uh, when we would go out, I had a film team with me, and we would do our filming, and we'd come back into the hotels at night, coated with dirt and dust from the dusty roads. And my last trip was in 1980, whatever it was. Incredible changes. And I, I almost want to think, okay, now this is, this is just speculation, okay, that God began to bless the land when by degrees, slowly at first, the Jews began to trust in Jesus. One here, two there, five here. Slowly, slowly, in the mid-70s, early 80s, on into now, Jews began to trust in Jesus. Very small at the beginning. Could it be there's a connection with the blessing of the land and the conversion of the Jewish people? You know what's interesting? As they're coming to Christ, they're also taking on the sins of the Gentile world. They have homosexual parades in Jerusalem. The promiscuity is unbelievable. Uh, they threw away any, any moment of, of having a day of rest on Sabbath, even though we're not under Sabbath. But it used to mean something to the Jewish people. And they, they threw that to the wind. All that since the, the mid, say the mid-70s or the beginning of the 80s, they began to take on the sins, abortion, the sins of the Gentiles. Did you know that, that, that in public schools in Israel, they used to teach the New Testament. They taught, taught the New Testament in the public schools. And then the, now they, they take away all religious teachings in the public schools, just like America and Israel. All the religious teachings. Nothing about the Old Testament. Nothing about the New Testament to the Jewish youngsters as they did at one time 40 plus years ago or so. By the way, Ben-Gurion, who was one of the first prime ministers of Israel, had on his desk a New Testament volume. A New Testament. And Ben-Gurion held Bible classes in his office. He would bring in people of the government and say, we need to discuss, is it possible that God is sovereignly bringing us back to this land and restoring us? And is it possible that the Messiah is getting closer? Ben-Gurion. Ben-Gurion. God began to work with the Jewish people. He's still working with them. He's not through with them. He's not finished with them. By the way, I'm going to give you some, some good news and bad news. The good news is that we're getting closer to the return of Christ. The bad news is the bad news is that the Gentile nations and powers are going to be judged. And America is not directly, if you read my book, America is not directly a Christian nation. We are a Christian nation by the fact that so many people who came here originally came for Christian spiritual reasons. You read my book. That's the that's that's the thing we can call America a Christian nation. Christianity is not directly, specifically, in detail embedded in in, in our government. 
But because so many people trusted in the Scriptures and trusted in God and came as Christians and came for spiritual reasons. That's how America is a Christian nation. Now watch, look up here. You take that out of America, what are you going to have left? Another, another pagan nation. Another pagan nation. So be careful how you explain America is a Christian nation. It was because of the, the founding fathers and the, the people who originally came here. They did not come, as the, as the textbooks say in our public schools, they came for prosperity reasons. No, they didn't come for prosperity reasons. What a lie. That's a lie. They came for spiritual reasons. They had no idea that they would prosper in a physical sense. They had no idea. They, they weren't interested in that. The original people who came here were, were vagabonds. They, they, they were... Uh, the fact they had gone from England to Holland and stayed in Holland for 12 years. It was from Holland that they then came to America. And you know why they did that? They said, you know, if we stay here in Holland, our kids are going to suddenly become Dutchmen, they're speaking, speaking Dutch, and they'll lose their English heritage. So we have to leave Holland and go to America to take our spiritual Christian heritage to America and isolate our children. We don't want to leave them here in Holland. Because they had some, they had some freedom in Holland, so went from England, Plymouth, to Holland, there for ten or twelve years, and said, "Now we got to pack up and get out of here. Can't go back to England because England was such a debauched nation, sinful nation. Can't go back home. So let's take our Christian heritage to America. That's how they got here, and they didn't come first for prosperity's sake. They came first for spiritual reasons." No other nation except for Israel <laughs> had that as its driving force. It's America. To be a Christian nation. Now look, you know, I, I want to ask a tough question. And I guess did two minutes. How did all of us sitting here, and I know I'm asking a question from a human perspective, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting out God's providence in my question. I shouldn't do that, but How did we let them do it to us? How did we let them do it to us? How did we throw in the towel? How do we allow the school system to say you can't you can't have the, even the kids say a prayer at a football game? How do we allow that? How do we allow them to say uh, at Christmas time you cannot sing any Christmas carols in public school anymore? as we did my school, probably your school. How do we do that? How did it sneak up on us? By the way, I expect it to happen, maybe in my lifetime, I don't know how long I'll live, but I expect someday we'll read in the, in the, on television where they take chisels and our monuments in Washington and chisel all the Bible verses off the walls. Almost every monument has a Bible verse. I would not doubt it to happen. I would not doubt it. The nation that stays close to me will be the nation that will be blessed. And this was first for Israel, but in the broad sense, it is for us to think about. That's a principle. That's a principle for us today. I wish I could sit up here and tell you 
I had a vision last night, a shaft of light came in. Uh, I had a vision about what we should do. And I don't know, except voting in November. Yes, 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 yes. But what else should we do? Notice my word do. I don't necessarily like the word do sometimes. But remember, we're part of the government of America. We're part of the government. And I don't have the full answer because we see the nation on the slide and I'm not sure how we are to stop it except the only way that we know, the real way, the only real way is for people to be changed in their hearts by accepting Christ as their Savior, to change their perspective, to change their loyalties to Him. And I don't see that happening. I don't see I don't see another huge revival. I wish I could see it. I wish I could say it's going to happen. I don't see it. A lot of times we have this wishful thinking. Oh yeah, we're going to have a big revival. I'm not sure. I wish it. I want it. But I'm not sure. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Father, tremendous principles here. Tremendous promises. And while we are not Israel, yet there are great, great truths here. Help us hold on to them. Help us believe in them. Help us as we can to honor these great principles. As we can, what we can do, what we should do. Lord, help us. Lord, we have to fall back on you. Our wisdom is so limited. Our insights can be so small. Please bless us, not because of who we are, but because we have vowed to stay close to You, our God and our Savior. Thank You for Your Word. And thank You for Him who died on the cross for us. In His name we pray. Amen.